0: Welcome to Erotic Awakening, a weekly view of all things erotic. From BDSM to erotic spirituality, from swinging as a lifestyle to simply fun kink, each week we bring you a diverse offering of erotic and alternative lifestyles in its many forms. This podcast includes frank discussions of highly sexual topics. This podcast is intended for consenting adults over the age of 18. If you are offended by this type of content... We recommend you stop listening right now. Hello, fellow adventurers of sexuality and spirit, and welcome to Erotic Awakening with Lee Harrington. During my monthly show, appearing on the third Monday of the month, give or take some minor scheduling adventures, I discuss my ideas and thoughts on a topic, but also answer listener questions that have been sent in. I'm also a big fan of announcing the next month's show a month in advance that you have a chance to take uh, to have questions of your own answered if you have any. It's really interesting for me that I've been doing this podcast for a couple of months now, and some months are absolutely packed with questions, dozens in fact. But this one has uh, this one was a little bit drier. (laughs) Uh, This month's topic, which is going to be age play, was a special request from a few listeners that age play is everything from age role playing, adult babies and schoolgirls and role playing to bullies playing Santa Claus and everything else in between. I got plenty of squeeze, oh my god, that's so exciting. You guys are gonna discuss age play. Yay, go for it, go for it. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Dan and Don, for doing you know, having Lee on your show, all of that kind of stuff. Um but nobody wrote in with specific questions so i'm going to have plenty to say don't worry about that but i did want to let people know ahead of time that this month's going to be a little bit different However, for folks who are curious about next month's show, I'm actually going to be having a guest star on, which is Minnesota sexuality educator Scott Thompson, who's going to be uh, discussing with me questions around safer sex, making safer sex fun, steamy, sexy, anything involving sex, sex, more sex, and of course, sensuality. And uh, as well, we're also going to be doing this crazy cross-country road trip. So for people who don't follow me, I'll I'll get to age plan in a few minutes. But for people who don't follow me online, I am traveling. In fact, not just traveling, I'm moving. I've been based in Phoenix, Arizona for a little over two years. I moved out here from the Washington, D.C. area um, in January 2009, and I've absolutely been loving Phoenix. It's beautiful. There's an amazing community here, an incredibly broad and diverse community here. I, I not too long ago put together a resource list for fascination sex shops of different uh, sexuality groups in Arizona and found more than 27 in the greater Phoenix um, and Tucson metro areas, which is staggering. And that's before I even knew about some of the private house parties happening up in Prescott and all of that. I said, Note: Prescott, not Prescott. I've gotten better. I, I became an Arizonan over time. I learned. Uh, however, I am moving to New York because my boy, my property, my partner, Aiden Fire, is a student in New York and uh, in graduate school, and I want to go live with them and be closer to them because this whole cross-country, long-distance thing for me is not working right now. So, the joy of my career is that I'm on the road 50% of the time, sometimes more, Right now, closer to 70% of the time. And uh, the joy about that is that I have the opportunity to live pretty much anywhere because I travel for work as well as writing. Uh, And these are all very, very modular things. So for people who want to catch me on my crazy Lee Harrington moving, fundraising, cross-country tour adventure, I am going to be going uh, leaving Phoenix, Arizona, On Tuesday, April 5th, I'm having a going-away party uh, here in Phoenix at America's Taco Shop, which is one of my favorite local haunts. And then uh, Thursday, the 7th, I'm going to be teaching in Albuquerque, New Mexico at Self-Serve Toys. Friday, I'll be in Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, with Scott Thompson. He's joining me on this this cross-country adventure. Uh, He and I will be appearing at the Expressions Dungeon. Saturday, April 9th, I'll be in St. Louis, Missouri for Cuff um, in conjunction with the Charmed and Social Club doing a class on rope sex, which I'm also teaching at Self-Serve Toys in New Mexico, and also being there at their kinky prom kinky prom yay uh crashing the night in columbus ohio on sunday the 10th but don't worry columbus even though i'm not teaching on this tour i will be coming through columbus uh later this summer keep your ears um open i'll be announcing that soon on my website the details of that and then on monday the 11th doing a whole bunch of fabulous stuff as will scott thompson in pittsburgh pennsylvania he'll be teaching a class on um uh, on making on sensational, safer sex, making your sex hot and steamy and safer. And I'll be doing stuff on rope um, and breath, bondage and breath, and talking about positional asphyxia, uh, positional asphyxia, excuse me, uh, and talking as well about how to make our bondage less challenging, more challenging for breathing and moving with intention, connection, and uh, training our breath for bondage working, as well as doing a special dinner event there in Pittsburgh and then unloading on Tuesday the 12th in Brooklyn. Now, I'm mentioning all of that because I think there might be some folks who are interested, uh, but also because it allows that I'll be traveling with Scott and therefore have him stuck with me for an entire week. I shouldn't say stuck. He and I love spending time together as as leather um, family with one another. And I'm going to be able to ask him a lot of questions and be able to have some really great dialogue for next month's podcast. For people who want more information on my tour, you can go to passionandsoul.com forward slash news and you'll find all of the details there. So, with that in mind, oh, of course, for those who have questions, I should mention this before I get moving. Uh, for those who have questions for um, Scotty or myself for next month's podcast around safer sex, making it fun, steamy, or discussing issues around STIs, um, sex in general, sex and kink, any of these kinds of things, feel free to drop me an email at Lee, L-E-E, at passionandsoul.com with the subject line Ask Lee, or find me through any of my various social formats, which I'll list later. And those questions will, um, will be answered on the podcast, and if they aren't, I'll be posting them to the Ask Lee column on Passion and Soul. So, without further ado, let's talk about age play. Age play is something that I am incredibly passionate about. I've been what is referred to as an age player since I I can't even remember. I've been playing around the notion of age and identity and mixing it with that gender since I was a little kid. Age play, in my definition, is any sort of role playing that involves an age component. So that, I mean, a lot of people I know out there say, oh, age play, that's any time that you want to pretend to be younger. Now, that's one way of looking at it, but I think that age is a much broader category. I think that it is age play when you are in your 60s and pretending to be 18 years old sneaking into a bar. That's age play to me. I think age play is uh, grown adults uh, pretending to be or enjoying for a time being uh, little kids or babies. I find that age play is an incredibly diverse series of things that it can be. Now, I mention that because there as I said, some people who think that age play is only about being little. Age play is anything that involves consenting adults playing with age. So the reason I bring that up, and, you know, I could go into all of the different things on levels of investment and universal cultural and personal archetypes and all that kind of stuff. But people who want to read that, just, you know, hop on Amazon, and buy a copy of Toy Bag Guide to Age Play that I wrote a couple of years ago. That that information's easily accessible um, in written format. What's really interesting to me right now, though, is this idea that, oh, how to phrase it? that there's this community and culture that has come up around age play. There is an adult baby population. In fact, there is such a distinct adult baby population that there are professional dominatrixes who specialize as mommies or as babysitters that don't even use the word dominatrix, who don't even use necessarily the terminology of professional dominant or any of that kind of stuff because they're not necessarily being dominant. These are people who make their full-time living. Okay, there's not a lot of them. There's seven or eight um, in the United States. But still, that notion that there are a large number, in my opinion, compared to other jobs that are out there, of people who are making their living taking care of adult babies. That delights me. There are people making furniture where you can spend time in, you know, where you can buy a crib that is your size. You, person who is seven foot tall or 400 pounds or are, you know, an average size human, you know, five foot ten, you can have a crib that fits you. You can have a high chair that fits you. There's an entire homegrown industry right now of people who are making wardrobe, from frilly little nightgowns to adult-sized diaper covers to big binkies. For people who are into this stuff, which tells me that there are a lot of people into this. And it's not just my guessing based on the number of businesses that are out there. If you hop on a system like FetLife.com and type in adult baby, if you even type in the words adult baby or AB fetish or whatnot on, on the internet, you'll get a really diverse group of people out there doing this stuff. This is not just high-end CEOs who need to release and relax a little bit and be little for a little time. There's a lot of different reasons people do this stuff. I am going to confess something that I haven't talked about a lot, um, because it's really personal to me, but I've decided that it's time, having had some conversations with friends. I do stuff as an adult baby. I don't do it in public, I personally don't think it's anyone's business to see me do that stuff in public because it's a deeply intimate thing to me. Most of the time, it's me alone. Being an absolute little kid. Now, I'm mad about the fact that I do stuff, you know, role playing somewhere between, you know, 8 to 11 years old. Coloring, doing math, playing video games, watching Saturday morning cartoons. But, I'm also someone who does stuff with diapers and binkies and curling up with soft blankets and teddy bears when I'm all alone. So there you go. I said it. Consider this an Erotic Awakenings first that um, that I came out about being an adult baby from time to time. Part of this culture that's really interesting to me, though, part of this, this age play and whatnot culture, is that this there's been a shift in the past 10 years of me being actively involved with public age role-playing stuff, and probably more than a decade at this point, that there's been a distinct shift and I would almost say a split between what I would call Littles' culture and sexualized age play. Now I didn't really get that fact. I didn't really understand it because I mean, even when I was writing, you know, the toy bag guide to age play, I didn't really get this notion. because People were like, "Oh, so you're little?" And I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely. Little equals adult age player. I'm sorry, you know, an, an, being an age player, and that's those are synonymous with each we, we other, right? That they're just they're equal. So it's like saying, well, I'm a kinkster, I'm a pervert. Okay, slightly different language, but I consider them synonyms of one another." And I thought that Littles was synonymous with age play, until about a month and a half ago, and I went to a Littles party here in Arizona. Now, as I said, I've been doing age play for quite some time, and when my my boy was visiting here in January, and, and my boy is a consulting adult, and... They were like, "Oh, there's this age play party happening in town, and Touches really, really wants to go. and And are are we? Can we go? Can we go? Ha huh, ha! Huh, can we go?" And I thought about it, like, "Yeah, that sounds fun." We had just gotten a pair of uh, matching uh, hoodied pajama fizzy pajamas from JumpingJammers.com for Christmas, and so I'm like, "Okay, we could go. We could play. We could dress up. I'll show up in a suit. They'll show up in." You know, in overalls and, and, you know, kind of little boy gear and we'll do the whole daddy boy thing or, you know, more like eh, evil, possessive daddy, I guess. But anyway, that is what it is. And we showed up and I'm thinking, OK, cool. So it'll be people doing some age role playing and there'll probably be some games and then there'll probably be some kinky sex happening in the back room. That'll be cool. No, No, that's in fact not exactly what it was. I was expecting... A BDSM play space that happens to have an age role players area, which are incredibly common in the United States right now. If I go to the Floating World in New Jersey, if I go to Dark Odyssey, if I go to a number of a number of different events, have these little corners that get set up where there are toys, where there is um, adult, you know, uh, you know, age play related equipment. Uh, all of that kind of stuff, but it's in the corner of the dungeon. So the re- the music that's playing is still Anya, Nine Inch Nails, Butt Boy, whoever happens to be on the ra- on on the, the speaker system, and it just happens to be that age players are in there. No, no, this little party I was held at a private home, and we uh and and so we we went to the house. And they'd set up one corner with kind of like, you know, padded area and all these toys in one corner. There's a, a food spread with lots of kids' finger food and um, and apple juices and those little like pre Sun containers and things of chocolate milk, little, little kids' packs of chocolate milk. And it's got a back room that was full of more coloring supplies and all of this kind of stuff. And the music that was playing the whole time was Disney. The whole time, there was no sexy music, unless you're deeply turned on by the Little Mermaid soundtrack, which you know that's cool if you are. But um, it was Little Mermaid and Fox and the Hound and Wall-E and movies playing in the back, like you know, movies on silent in the background, and, and this, you know, all of this stuff being played at the same time, and and people just being little kids, chalk. You know, being drawn out on outside, like on on the ground and people doing coloring. There there was no sexy time. In my perception of sexy time, it was people in a safe space exploring being little kids with other little kids. I was also the only adult role-playing character um, or adult persona um, that evening. And that was – well, I shouldn't say that. There was one other person, but they weren't hyper-interactive with the group. They were just kind of there watching, hanging out for about an hour, maybe two hours, and then left. Um, But it was really interesting to me that here I am in this suit with my boy thinking that, okay, I'll be able to be there and – maybe do some role-playing around having my cock sucked by my little boy, or doing a spanking scene that would be really hot and sexy, or doing some, something along those lines later on in the evening. And about half an hour into the party, I realized that that would be really out of place. For me, when I enter into a new culture or a new party of any sort, I like to take the first half hour to just kind of see what the lay of the land is. What's going on? So if I wander into the play space and realize, oh, wait, everybody's dressed in high, full, formal fetish, and I'm not, I have a chance to leave, go away, get changed, come back. Or if I don't have the wardrobe, to talk to the hosts and make sure whether or not it's appropriate for me to stay around in the current wardrobe that I'm in. If I see a lot of really heavy SM in the first half hour, oh, this might be a really good time to pull out my canes and be incredibly brutal. If I'm gauging a party and it's incredibly talkative, it doesn't really matter to me whether I had a huge plan of doing this crazy, grandiose scene with suspending somebody by one ankle and torturing them or something like that or having a really big, sexy orgy. If I am going to do that stuff, I'll wait till later on in the evening and talk to people as I'm wandering around the space and be like, oh, this is a really, really social party. Is it social throughout the evening? Now notice that I didn't say, this is a really social evening. Is it going to be this the whole night? Or when does the party get started? That's really not a way for me, in, in my opinion, when make, going to a new party to make allies because it sounds like there's a judgment there. I don't really want there to be a judgment. I just want to know what the culture of the space is. Is the culture of the space that it's a social party for the first two hours, and then, you know, usually the party hosts get a play, you know go and have a play out on the dungeon floor. And then things get started? Is it going to an event and having only one scene happen at a time? Is it going to be 40 people playing on the floor and nobody really cares who touches who? Asking around about it, you know, sometimes asking or sometimes watching about what the culture is, is really useful for me when I'm at events and so here i am at this little's party and i've not i've been to other tng parties it was all uh, it was hosted by the arizona tng which is the next generation a uh, group for folks uh, consenting adults between 18 and 35 um playing with each other within their peer bracket actually tng might be 18 to 39 i'm not entirely sure anyway you can find them at aztng and I'm at their party, and I've been at a couple of their parties before, but I've never been to any of their littles parties. So I wander in, and I realize as soon as I wandered into the space that this is not set up like other BDSM spaces at all. This is a private home, and there's not a single piece of SM stuff to be seen. Nowhere. And I'm going, okay, that's cool. I get an apple juice, get a you know chocolate milk for the boy, and we sit around, we talk. The boy runs away, you know. Aiden runs away to go have fun with various people and go coloring and all this kind of stuff. And I have some of the little kids, little like little kids. When I'm saying little kids for the purpose of this conversation, I am talking about people in their you know, teen like in their like 1920, you know, 25, 35. Um, in, in that various range, age range. So the kids um, asked me, oh, 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 Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee, um, did you bring any of your books? And by books, I knew that they weren't talking about the books that I'd written, but they were talking about books because they know that I like doing um, story time and reading to stuff as a age role player. So I pull out a copy of... um. Uh, the Stinky Cheese Man and other fairly stupid tales and a copy of Dr. Seuss's The Sneetches. And I'm like, yeah, sure, absolutely. I have a couple of stories. And, you know, are you guys game? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we're now at about an hour and a half into the party. So people kind of hole up in one room with me and I'm against one wall and I've got like ten um, littles Ten littles who are all sitting on the floor with their binkies or with their lollipops or eating some Rice Krispie treats or drinking some soda. And they're all going, okay, story time, story time. And I pull out uh, the the Stinky Cheese Man, which is not the happiest of stories, right? Run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the Stinky Cheese Man, until eventually the stinky cheese man falls in a river and falls apart to a thousand pieces because he was so stinky that the fox wasn't able to carry him on his back. Sorry if I ruined the story for you who were hoping to, uh, to, to uh, have secrecy around that story. But it's a really funny but depressing and somewhat, you know, schadenfreudean um, schadenfreude, uh, the German term for deriving pleasure from the suffering of others. And I'm I'm sharing this, what I consider very... And everybody's just like, but that's horrible. That's mean. Kids, I'm a sadist. I like making people who have consented to the experience uncomfortable. That gets my dick hard. Right? As if this is a surprise to folks. But people were just like but you ch- no we're at little's party and everything should be nice and should be happy and sweet and loving and made of cotton candy and i'm like okay and i decided to push it i read the Sneetches, which is a happy story but also kind of a messed up story around capitalism and oppressed societies and cultures and um and the idea of body modification as a way to understand uh higher you know lower caste and upper caste populations at least if we look at it on a deeper level. Anyway, so I'm reading this story, and they're just like, but we're done with story time. You're a mean person, and why would you read us stories like this? And it was about then that it hit me that I was not hanging out with people doing sexualized age role play. This really was not an SM or what I would consider a BDSM, SM, kink, etc. It wasn't a party like that. That Little's culture is its own culture. At Apex, Arizona Power Exchange, there is a Littles party that happens twice a year. They have taken care of the challenges between sexualized age play and Little's culture by having two different spaces. In the main dungeon, in the main play space, they set up all of the stuff that is Littles safe. And then in the side dungeon, if you're going to do a caning scene, or spanking that's going to be anything more than a minute or two, or there's going to be sex of any sort, you're able to go into the smaller dungeon and do the stuff over there. So you can still be in the same building, but the main dungeon is considered Littles safe space. And I didn't really get it until I'd been finally at this little party for TNG, and I went, oh, got it. For these folks, at least this is my take on it, and having talked with a couple of other people since then, this is a safe space to actually have the childhood they never got to have. Or to revisit childhood in a way that is understood and safe and delicious and sweet. It's a chance to get to be seven years old, not to role play being seven years old, but to be seven or four or 11 for a few hours of getting to hang out with a group of friends who are not going to judge you afterwards and doodle and play a board game and giggle and laugh and have fun. That's pretty cool. As someone who's been doing a lot of stuff with what I would consider sexualized age play, age play that involves the, the naughty teenage girl having to be bent over the knee and spanked because they're just not listening to their daddy and they can feel daddy's cock pushed up from underneath their jeans. As a role player who likes to do stuff around, you know, being the drunken mommy and the 19-year-old son who comes home who is ends up being seduced by their own you know drunken mother kind of thing going on like i like sexualized age play i like age play that involves spanking and caning and bondage and sex but having been part of little's culture i can see the appeal of it And there are times when I can see that I've been a little, where I have sat with myself and put on Saturday morning cartoons or popped in a copy of Beauty and the Beast and curled up with my blankie and just watched and spent some time as a kid. But I'm really glad that a friend of mine, Jason, wasn't able to make it to the party because I invited him saying, oh, isn't this going to be really, really fun? He isn't into that at all. His entire thing is pervy Uncle Jay. And pervy Uncle Jay likes touching little girls in naughty, naughty ways. I do. His little girl is in her thirties. But that's what he's really into, is being that pervy, sexy, evil uncle. And that's what gets his dick hard. He would have had challenges, I think, at the Littles' party because, you know water, water, everywhere, and not a drop to drink. He wasn't going to get his cock sucked there at that party. It would not have been a good fit. Maybe in a back room, maybe in a bathroom, with the doors closed, but the sex wasn't going to happen because it wasn't going to be a way for those folks to feel safe. Now, sexualized age play does not have to be about the pervy uncle or the drunk mommy or the adult as the initiator. In fact, Lolita is a classic example the you know the novel Lolita is a classic example of the teenage ingenue as the sexual initiator for people who do age play combined with sm who says that the little has to be the bottom who says that the age player has to be the one being spanked or being caned what about as i saw happen at uh, dark odyssey winterfire the last uh, not this one that just happened in february but the year before a group of littles of age players all ganging up to beat up the giant the the, the, ma- the full-grown man in the bunny costume or this year same players, same people involved in it, a whole bunch of school kids teaming up on their math professor who says that it has to be the littles who are the bottoms, right? There's an entire range, in my opinion, between Little's culture, or what I would consider non-sexualized age role-playing, age role non-sexual age role-playing, and hardcore sex and SM. There's body care and grooming. Bathing, dressing, petting someone, caring for them. They can have either complete innocence, or... That really sexy undertone, where there's a sexual tension, but neither party is going to move on it. I know for some people that age role playing has that opportunity for solo sexual scenes, where it's someone having the chance to masturbate um, at you know remembering oh what it was like that first time when you felt those little feelings and oh what what what's going on down there and, oh that that feels good i like when i touch me like that that you know that kind of memory that kind of role playing to that moment for some people it's a consensual sexual experience where it is you know two people who are both agreeing in their role playing to be 13 years old and fooling around with each other back behind the schoolhouse, and everybody's agreeing to that situation both out of character and in character. I know some people who are really into the notion of coerced sexuality, that whole idea of uh, Mrs. Robinson, right, where someone's being talked into it and has to be lured into the situation. I... Uh, had a friend of mine who one of his reoccurring sexual fantasies since he was very, very young, because he had this whole mythology around the fact that women went off to the bathroom in groups, right? That that guys usually went and peed one at a time, but women would go away in packs. And he always wondered what was so interesting about women's bathrooms. I mean, like this was him talking to me about his experience of being like 11, 12, 13 years old. And he always wondered what was going on in those women's bathrooms because like 10 girls would go at a time. And then they'd come out as a group, and he didn't really get it. So he had this reoccurring sexual fantasy where he snuck into a woman's bathroom and was looking around. And a group of women came in all at the same time. As they all came in at the same time, they were just like, Boy in the girl's bathroom! Get him! Get him! And they would grab him, throw him down to the ground, or strap him to some sort of apparatus in the women's bathroom. And the ten girls or five girls or however many girls had gone to the bathroom at the same time said, you have to sexually pleasure all of us or else we're going to tell everyone that you were in the girls' bathroom or some other threat, right, Or, or we're going to kick your butt or we're going to ruin your life socially or whatever it might be. And his sexual fantasy was that he had to sexually pleasure all of these girls that were his age, or else he wasn't going to be allowed to get out of the bathroom alive, or at least with his, um, his you know, his his life intact, um, intact. So, and that's that line between coercion and extortion, right? There's other people though that their age role playing is dark, is really taboo. I know some people that this is playing with underage um, prostitution as being the role-playing key. I know for some people this is sex with someone who's doing adult baby stuff, which even if it's consensual, the the concept, the topic there, the notion that someone who is two consenting adults, one is role-playing being... um, you know, in their 40s, and the other is role-playing being six months old. For a lot of people, even hearing that role-playing description can hit a lot of personal buttons. Oh my God, you mean you you actually want to have sex with someone who's six months old? No, they want to do an age-based role-playing scene with another consenting adult, and the role happens to be six months old but it twigs a lot of people's buttons. There's a lot of folks out there in the world at large that hear about age play and, um, and really freak out. Because there's this notion that if you're doing it for role-playing, you want to do it for real. That if you are into dressi- you know, dressing up and... But playing with someone, and, and interestingly enough, the people who want to be the little kids, um, the people who want to be the little in the situation, the people who want to be you know, the 7-year-old, the 2-year-old, the 15-year-old, aren't usually seen as the villains. It's the adult characters. It's the people who are putting on the persona of being the school teacher or being the priest or being the mommy or being the evil uncle or whatever it is. The adults in these role-playing situations, the adult characters, the people who are doing that side of the the role-playing, are often villainized, even within the BDSM population. Because, oh my gosh, if you're into having sex with somebody who's pretending to be seven, how do we know that you're not actually wanting to go out and have sex with an actual (sighs) seven-year-old? How many people, really, who do role-playing of pretending to be werewolves really want to be werewolves? Comparatively few. How many people who are role-playing doctor and nurse in their bedroom really want to go to medical school and become a full-time doctor or nurse? Comparatively few. How many people who are playing pizza delivery boy and hey, I've got a pizza for you, and naughty housewife really want to take on a full-time job, of, or even a part-time job, of being a pizza delivery boy, or who want to actually be a housewife and be a naughty, sexy housewife? Comparatively few. I find it disturbing and upsetting that there's this notion that age play is any different. It's role Playing, or it's shape-shifting and time traveling back into a different part of our own history and writing a happy ending for things that went weird or adding a sexy twist to our own experiences or putting on a mask for five minutes and pretending to be something that we really aren't the notion That people who are doing age role-playing are outright pedophiles is upsetting, disturbing, and wrong. Have I met some folks amongst the age role-playing population who their sexual desires do go that way, and that age-based role-playing is a chance for them to exercise their demons? Absolutely. And I think it's a really valid tool for that kind of exploration and that kind of therapeutic work. Do I know some people who are choosing to use age role-playing as a way to re-traumatize themselves and to go back and continuously hit replay on when they were actually traumatized as a child? Yeah, I know one or two. But that's amongst knowing thousands of folks over the years that I've talked to, seen, met, or taught classes to that fit in those populations. A handful. So the notion that it's everybody is really deeply, deeply upsetting. I also find it really interesting that, um, that even within the BDSM populations and kink populations, this thing called FET, uh, you know, FET life or, uh, or alt sex, that even within our populations, we villainize each other. There was um, – there's an amazing editor – out of New York, who named Sasha Frost Lowry, who, writes, um, who does, edits amazing anthologies. She just did the kicked-out teen anthology not long ago, which is a collection of short stories all from teens or people who were teens who were kicked out of their homes for being um, gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgendered. And it's an amazing anthology. But a number of years ago, she was going to do an anthology and she put a call-out for an anthology on real experiences of age role-playing. Like, tell me your stories. I want to collect them because you know, it, it, the book hadn't been written before. No one had done a collection like that at that time. And so she did. She put the call out there and got a good number of people who were responding saying, oh, I want to write something or here's a submission. I've got a couple of good pieces. But she also got threat mail. And I'm not talking light, fluffy, like you know, oh, if you do this, you're messed up. No, this, she got mail from people saying, we know what your legal name is and we know where you work. And we will out you at your work and have you removed from your job if you do this. Because if you associate BDSM or kinky sex with age role playing at all, people will think that all BDSMers, all kinksters, all perverts are pedophiles. Are evil rapists, are all of this kind of stuff, and we're trying to distance ourselves, so how dare you? Don't you dare do this stuff or you will lose your career. I see this same stuff happen, though not always to that level, between the leather community and the gay lesbian the gay lesbian and bisexual movements. That when people like the HRC, the you know the, the equal rights for all kind of projects Say, oh, but we're just like the rest of the population. We're just like you. We're normal like you. We want to have kids just like you. We want to get married just like you. To hold on to those kinds of lines... Sometimes groups like the HRC start saying things like, um, "Oh well, those leather people, those those crazy SMers, or those weird polyamorous folks, or those people who go to bathhouses, or those swingers over there." Well, no, 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 we're not really like them. There's an attempt to distance. Because if we can be just like everyone else, with the only difference being that it's a man loving a man or a woman loving a woman, that somehow it's okay to ostracize, villainize, push out people from within our own tribes to the edge of the tribe and send them out into the woods to have them be the sacrificial lamb, so that they can, so that everyone else can get their rights met. That's heartbreaking to me, and it's heartbreaking that it happens almost in every population. That in attempt in every fringe population, that any time there's one person that we just don't quite understand or one group that we don't quite understand, there's this human desire to just say, "Get the hell out." Get out get out now, because you're uncomfortable for us. You're uncomfortable for us. Anytime we step outside the norm, we offer a mirror for people. Every single time. Because at the end of the day, most people don't see us. They see a screen that they can project upon. They don't see us as individuals or as people. You probably don't see the person that you meet at the grocery store as a full person. You most likely see them as the grocery store person, and you have your own internal story about why they're there, what's working, and why why they're working there, and what's going on in their life that likely has little to nothing to do with their actual reality. We project all the time. It's incredibly common for the human experience. And yet... And yet what that means is that we become these funhouse mirrors. That if somebody's projecting on me and they have this perception of what they think my storyline is, and I say something like, oh, and by the way, I happen to like being an age role player. If they've been seeing themselves in my eyes or projecting their internal experience onto my body, there is a moment of shock sometimes because I've changed up the rules on their internal dialogue. I've changed their very experience. And if I've been being a mirror to them, or if they've been going, oh, you know, that Lee Harrington, oh my God, he's gone through just the same stuff I have. And then I tell you something totally different about my journey. If you see yourself in me and I am doing something that challenges you, What does that say about you? Now, the reality is, other people's experiences are not about you. Your experience is not about me. Your experience is about your experience, and my experience is about my experience. But again, going back to that, you know, childlike mind concept that's still floating around in our heads, that my experience is actually about you. If my experience says that I am doing something that you are uncomfortable with, but it's about you, suddenly my journey is personal to you. You take it personally, as if it's happening to you. It's not wrong. It's incredibly human. But in the case of role-playing scenarios in the case of kink and sex and bdsm it means that sometimes those knee-jerk reactions are not actually about us when someone looks at me and says oh my god you're into age role-playing that's so messed up that's not actually about me that's about someone saying oh my gosh this person who i thought i understood and thought i knew what was going on is into something that i don't understand and might actually turn me on, or might actually intrigue me, but that means that I have to deal with my own shadows and my own personal desires, and that's uncomfortable, and so I'm just going to be over here freaking out and projecting that you are evil, that you are wrong. My hope, my dream, as it were, is that down the road, we'll be able to have people of all shapes and sizes and desires and connections talk to each other within community, between communities, between tribes, that we will have an understanding between humans that basically says that we will each try to project a little bit less That my projections will at least become opaque so that I can see you through them. So I can see your truth and your experience and have it not be about me. That's what I would like. That we can somehow find some sort of middle ground to actually have a conversation person to person instead of projection to projection, assumption to assumption. If you see someone doing something that you don't understand, wait until they're done with their deeply personal moment. And then ask, politely, without judgment, without, what's up with that? Try asking something like, huh, I didn't really get what was going on over there. Would you be willing to tell me more? Consider asking questions because really, that's how we get to know other people as people, is when we move to actually seeing them and hearing their stories and finding out what's going on for them instead of making assumptions about everything. So thank you again, everyone, for joining me. A reminder, next month's topic is going to be discussing with Minnesota sexuality educator Scott Thompson questions around safer sex, Making Safer Sex Fun, Steamy, and Sexy, and everything else involving sex, sex, and more sex and some sensuality thrown in. For folks who have questions about sex, safer sex, STDs, STIs, um, and all of that kind of stuff, or making these things sexy, approachable, or if you have personal challenges with them, or personal stories that are joys, please send them to lee, L-E-E, at passionandsoul.com, with the subject line, Ask Lee. Um, questions that we're not able to answer on the podcast, either Scott or myself will try to answer offline and post the Ask Lee column on passionandsoul.com. And for those who want to find out more from me, you can find me pretty much anywhere on the internet by doing a search for Lee Harrington, uh, or you can go on um, do, look for passion and soul as one word on FetLife, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, DeviantArt, and more. You can, of course, also go to my website, passionandsoul.com, where you can find all of my podcasts, downloadable media, lots of essays, constant stuff going out there in the world of all different shapes and sizes. So please feel free to find me. Stalk me. In fact, if you scroll to the bottom of my website, there's a little thing that says stalking made easy just for you. Thank you again, fellow adventurers of sexuality and spirit, for joining me. This has been Erotic Awakening with Lee Harrington. And until next time stay cool, have fun, be authentically you, and don't do anything I wouldn't do, which luckily isn't much. Have a fantastic journey.